This episode of the podcast is brought to you by reading directions on a box of food, then throwing it in the trash, only then to retrieve it because you've already forgotten everything you've read. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing our top five movie villains of all time. This was a hard pick. This one was, it was actually like more difficult than I thought. Mm -hmm. I kind of was like, I know my number one. Yeah, me too. I knew my number one immediately. And then then everybody else was real tough. Yeah, I just kind of like trickled down from there. Um, And I kind of immediately, like something that I I noticed that I kind of had to adjust was like, one of the things was like your your movie villain can sometimes be your protagonist. Yes. And I was like when I was first thinking I was like okay like wh- who are who are the guys who are going against them? Mm-hmm. And then I was like oh wait a minute but like what about this movie and that movie where the where the bad guy is, is the bad guy? <laughs> you know the bad guy is your main character. Um so I thought that was kind of like an interesting thing was like okay so like we had now have to like I had to adjust like a little bit of how um of how I wanted to go at, go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, movie villains mm-hmm. tend to be the best characters in films. Yes, there is no hero without a villain. Right. You have no reason for the hero to actually do heroic things if you don't have a force that is driving him to do that. And a lot of the times, I prefer the villains over the heroes. Every time. Yeah. I mean, even though, like, you are supposed to root for the heroes, a a lot of the times I tend to root for the villains more. Because I I tend to, like, see more of their side. Yeah. A good movie villain, like, a really, really good movie villain with a really good, like, thought process of Mm -hmm. why they're doing what they're doing is so much more compelling than a hero because most of the time heroes are just like I'm being good because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's like okay, but whatever. We don't, <laughs> we don't want that squeaky clean yeah, like cookie I, cutter hero. Right. Like um but a villain, when a villain's done well, mm-hmm. man. Villain's done right. Yeah. Villain villains are the best. All right. So, let's get down to our top 5. Mm-hmm. So, my number 5 um I have I have some honorable mentions, of course. But yeah, me too. I wanna I wanna get into just the top five first. So we can, mine, we can probably save that before we go into number one. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good actually. That's a good idea. Um, so my number five mm-hmm. is Hal Nine Thousand from Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, that was um that was an honorable mention for me. Yeah. Um, I remember showing my girlfriend Two Thousand One for the first time, mm-hmm. and. She was kind of like unenthusiastic about watching it. it it's a tough movie. It's to a get tough through. movie. And when Hal shows up, mm-hmm. and she's and like and her, and the gears start turning, that like wait a minute, <laughs> hold on, like hold on, like he is planning something mm-hmm. here. I remember her looking at me and being like, like hold on, wait a minute, like <laughs> he's 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 bad. And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> like but watch the movie. And um, one of my favorite villain deaths of all time mm-hmm. is Hal, when taking out the, all, the yeah, components. Yeah, and like his, he's singing his song, mm-hmm. and, and it's slowly and shutting, it's slowly down. going down. The voice gets lower and lower and slower and deeper, and and he's in the room just fucking pulling out all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea of Hal was so cool, and like 
the the most incredible scene where where Hal they, um, where the two guys go into like the little space pod mm-hmm. to so Hal can't hear them. Yeah, and then you have that really great shot of of Hal's eyeball. You you are in the POV of Hal, and you're looking at you're watching him watch their lips, and he's reading their lips to see what 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 they're planning. It's insane. It's so good. Um, and you have a you know you have a character who starts off with a purpose Mm -hmm. and he's like, these are my roles. And slowly it's kind of like one of the first, it's one of, in my opinion, one of the best versions of like AI. Yes. Turning evil. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's just, it's incredible because how is the reason why I don't trust robots? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And he really, and it really like makes you think like, do we want AI? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's scary. One of the scariest things about it is that he is the entire ship. Yes. So you're stuck on the villain. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Like you have yeah. to defeat him <laughs> yeah. or you will die. Right. And all, but, but that, but then it's like, okay, at what cost? Mm-hmm. Because if you destroy the ship, then where do you go? Yes. So it's really intense. It's that conscious effort to be like, Sacrifice the few for the thousands. Exactly, and uh, and Hal, in my opinion, it's 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 a it's a incredible uh, piece of cinema. Mm-hmm. Obviously, two thousand one is one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. and and for Hal to to be so scary mm-hmm. and so all, calm at the same and all time. you have is a very just calm voiceover for him mm-hmm. and a little a little red eyeball, and yep. that's it. It's it's really really incredible filmmaking. It, it's one of those situations where it's like the dialogue is all you need to sell a villain. Yeah, I mean when he kills Frank mm-hmm. and then Frank is just the, floating in yep. space. Oh my god! Oh. Like the best mm-hmm. man. Like so top. Yeah. So number five, Hal nine thousand. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. I realized that the reason why Kubrick called him Hal. H-A-L, mm-hmm. was to one-up IBM. <laughs> so, like, yeah, so, like, H becomes yep. before, it's, like, you know, right before I and B, or A, and then, like, so <laughs> what he... A, what a crazy dickhead of a man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. That's fun. Yeah, so uh, number five is Hal. All right. Um, my one actually comes out of left field a little bit. So my number five pick is Sharon Stone's character from Basic Instinct. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever I've, seen Yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. Um, almost reminiscent too of how like such a calm collected woman yeah and you have one of the most infamous scenes in movie history of her being interrogated and just smoking in there with a white dress and like flipping the legs over yeah and just going on about like you know if I had killed him wouldn't that be stupid that I would write a book about how I killed him? <laughs> and obviously, like, you come to find out that, like, she did it and she tried to kill the the cop as well. Right. Because she's working on the second book. But you have, like, this perfect blend where it's, like, this woman is a triple hit. Like, she's beautiful, she's smart, and she's deadly. Man, that scene when, when they're fucking. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> we go home and watch this. <laughs> Doors a, open. That's a crazy scene. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is. You know what's yeah. funny? Uh, you ever see? Did you see the documentary "Don't Fuck with Cats"? Mm-hmm. 
and at the end, like they kind of reveal that he was obsessed with Basic Instinct, yes. and he kind of did like the like the same interrogation scene. Yeah, which like, is crazy. Yeah, and like he even does like the cigarette, and he mm-hmm. and he and he crosses his legs and everything, and it's like he was like re- like kind of just like recreating this, uh, this weird fantasy. Like, yeah, in- I, I crazy. was very infatuated with that documentary. That, that, that's a really good documentary. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. And there you go, Netflix. That's another pump out. Maybe <laughs> maybe fucking sponsor us once. <laughs> For all the shit that we put out of here. <laughs> now, 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 now you made Zach angry, Netflix. I, now you have to. <laughs> but yeah, so Sharon Stone's character in Basic Instinct. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have an audible mention that was kind of like a like a left field, mm-hmm. but she didn't quite make it. Um, so number four mm-hmm. is Calvin Candy from Django Unchained. Mm. One of my favorite scenes ever is the, the skull. The yep. skull scene. Mm-hmm. And... DiCaprio's acting and Tarantino's writing for that character and just how fucking ruthless of a man he really was. I mean, he is a perfect antagonist, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And what works so well, too, is like you don't get him until like the last quarter of the film. And it's it's really interesting. And, And the thing is, the last quarter of the film is still like an hour and some change (laughs) so like you still get tons and tons of character development with him Mm -hmm. and everything about him man the sunglasses the way that he dresses the the, cigarette holder yeah the bit the really long cigarette holder the the introduction to him when they're doing the mandingo fights Mm -hmm. i mean he is one of the ultimate movie villains of all time i think at least in the last decade for sure and again, like DiCaprio's acting and just how it doesn't feel like it, it he just feels so authentic that it's scary. Mm-hmm. And the and like and then you think like, oh, like he's actually kind of based on real people. Like, yeah, he might not be based off of a real person per se, but like the ideas that this guy had and and the thought process of of how he viewed certain types of people mm-hmm. and and whatnot like is that was all real like that that so like I, there was a real life calvin candy there was probably tons Thousands. of real life calvin candies in the world mm-hmm. and for him to, for tarantino to to just make him you know it, it's 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 interesting because it's kind of like um what we were saying about like hitler mm-hmm. last episode where it's like He's such a terrible person, but also kind of likable. Yeah. Like, he's so, like, suave. And, like, the way that he talks, like, he, he sounds educated. And, and and he's just got, like, there's just something about him that when he comes on the screen, like, he just steals the show. Mm-hmm. And you just love to watch him. And I think that that's not easy to do, you know? I think that taking somebody who's a scumbag and making him, like, your favorite part of the film is, like, hard. And I don't yeah. know what that says about you as the viewer, mm-hmm. but... It, it is what it is. Like, he's one of the best things about that movie. Yeah. It's the same thing, too, with, like, wrestling. Like, when you have, like, a really good bad guy. Yeah. That, like... Because you have, like, the point where it's, like, you can have a bad guy that you love because they're doing a good job. And then you can have a bad guy that you hate because they just come off as a scumbag, even though that that's just a character. Yeah. Like, that's the level that you need to be at. hmm Yeah. So, I agree with Candy. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad. Number four, Zach. Number four. So surprisingly enough, like um, a lot of my picks are more grounded in reality. 
Um, there's one or two that like is gonna be like a curveball. You have to, but be, um, you have to have Darth Vader on there. No, no, wow, an honorable um, mention or the Emperor. Yeah, the honorable mention. But uh, <laughs> so my number four pick is Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Yeah, and it it just you have this person who, well, just oh wait, Patrick Bateman. I'm sorry, I was thinking Psycho. Oh no, uh, no. no, American Psycho. Yeah. Yeah, no, Psycho is really good too. But yeah. like, um, no, like Patrick Bateman in the film just comes off as such a well put together, very meticulous Wall Street yuppie who is educated, good looking, knows what he's doing, and can talk his way into anything. Yeah, I hate that they just you know didn't give me any credit for basing the character off of me. Yeah, I know. I mean, what well, we did like a, a six year lawsuit, and <laughs> you know what? Whatever, we lost. Like we're out six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars for six actually, years. That's actually not that bad. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. <laughs> six million dollars. We're in debt for the rest of our lives, but whatever. No, like um, you have like this man who is so well put together, and he is revealed that he's a serial killer. And but is he? Is he? Is the big question. And that's, like, something that I think is really cool because, like, you don't really know by the end of it if it was all in his head of just shit that he wanted to do or he actually did these things. But he still comes across as, like, such a likable character on the outside to people where you can have a conversation with him and women will just be like, oh, yeah, like, I, I need to, like, talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yet he is thinking of 17 different ways to kill you at the same time and it posed like this big question at the time for me was like you know who could be a serial killer like anybody could be a serial killer yeah and i think patrick bateman was cast perfectly with christian bale i know like a lot of people at the time were like oh you know you shouldn't do this role like it'll kill your career and he made it and made such a memorable scene from himself yeah, like the chainsaw scene yeah. is insane of him just like dropping it down yeah. the stairs he's got, and he, yelling. The introduction to him when he's going like through his morning routine mm-hmm. and and you're and he's, you're watching him like peel his face off and all that like it's fantastic. It's it's a really really great introduction to a bad bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and of course the axe. Yes, when he fucking opens up Jared Leto's head. I mm-hmm. mean. Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's got some. There are some really really great scenes in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, of course the chainsaw when he's running around naked. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's just awesome. And then at the end when like he's just like shooting random people. Yeah, like it's like it made more of a comedy point to it, but like it was still crazy mm-hmm. to think that like anybody could just do this. Yeah. All so, right. Good choice. Thank you. Number three. Mr. Anton Sugar. I knew he was going to be on your list somewhere. <laughs> he had to be. Yeah, I mean, He's it so just, good. It just makes sense. Like, <laughs> what other villain can kill you with a fucking air gun? What basically? other villain has such a bad haircut? Yes. Like, but such a badass line of choose a side of the coin. Yeah, the whole like coin thing and the whole idea of like not even not really being able to be traced by your killings because you're literally murdering people with compressed air. Mm-hmm. So there's no nothing to there's no evidence left behind and just how stoic he is yes. and and he's so big like he he looks like he's like seven feet tall you know and 
and he's just got so much hate in him. <laughs> but he's so stoic about yeah. it. Yeah. And like he's just he he's just a scary he is one of the scariest people, I think. Like if that was if that's a real man out mm-hmm. there, like I'm sorry to whoever gave birth to him <laughs> and anybody <laughs> who ever had a conversation off. with him because that is like such a scary human being. And like and you have like Woody Harrelson's character where it's pretty much just like where he kind of like gives you the rundown of the type of person that he is where he's just like, listen, like at this point, you're probably going to die. Like yeah. even if you give him the money and, and whatnot, he's probably going to kill you just for inconveniencing him. Mm-hmm. And that line within itself just kind of shows you the type of man that he is. Yeah. I mean, even from like the scene of like when they're in Mexico and he takes like the rag and lights it on fire and puts it in the car. Yeah. To get bandages to like clean yeah, his he's wounds. Intelligent as hell, mm-hmm. but fucking ruthless. Yes, and and very calculated. But I mean, man, like, and just like so strong. Mm-hmm. Like the like the idea of him getting into a car accident at the end, and just like walking wrapping wrapping his arm, his like just shattered arm mm-hmm. up. And just and just walking away from it. Yep. And like you said about like di- like when he when he gets the mad and just like when he digs the fucking bullet out of his leg, and and he just does that all by himself. I mean, he is hands down one of the scariest characters I think put to screen. Ex- absolutely. And the ending of him is perfect for it too because it's like he just walks off. And yeah. You, you don't see him again. Yeah. And it shows where it's like he could be anywhere doing anything. I fucking love No Country for Old Men. It's it, a great movie. It's so good. Um, so yeah, Anton had to had to be there. Mm-hmm. Zach, your number three. Number three. This is where it kind of takes like a little bit of a turn because like I I needed to put him in here, but the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's Joker, mm-hmm. just a perfect rendition of a character in comics. Like and and like there, it's been long talked about where it's like anybody who plays the Joker tends to go insane from it. Yeah, like Jack Nicholson went insane, Heath Ledger went insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sure Joaquin Phoenix was mentally disturbed from playing the character. Joaqu- Joaquin's already insane, so yeah. Jared Leto didn't do much because fuck Jared Leto. He, he didn't do a good job, but Heath Ledger's Joker is what started it all. Where yeah. you have this character that in I think like a two hour long movie only has about 17 minutes of screen time. Yeah. But you have such an impact of him and you have him where one of my favorite scenes is him like sitting on top of all of the money and then just lights it on fire. Yeah. And the person's like, why did you do that? And it's like, it's not about the money. It's about the anarchy. Yeah. And you have, a character who just does not care. He doesn't have a purpose. He doesn't have like something where he wants to get rich or he wants to like have his own company or he wants to like do certain things. He just wants to create chaos. Yeah. And that's one of the scariest villains of all because a lot of people can still get behind that idea with like how intelligent he is of talking throughout the film. And later on giving the gun to Harvey Dent and putting it to his head and is like, you decide, mm-hmm. flip the coin to where he puts it in his hands of like, do I become evil as well? Yeah. Or do I become a hero? Yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker is probably 
one of the greatest. It's one of the best versions of that character, or mm-hmm. if not, maybe the best version of that character ever put to screen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's some of the best acting ever put to screen. Absolutely. Like, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is nobody, there is no, there is no character that I have ever become like obsessed with mm-hmm. on like Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with Heath Ledger's Joker when it, when it came out. I remember watching videos of, of people like doing like his, like the impersonation, like, the laugh like yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember I ha- I have like this really collectible figure of Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, and there's just nobody like him. Mm-hmm. He was going to be my number one. Mm-hmm. And I pulled it away. <laughs> just, I mean, just you slightly. Know, yeah, I mean, he is. If there was a, if the, if I, if we did top six, he mm-hmm. would be my number two. Okay, like because I, I I couldn't take anybody else out, but I I I just didn't add him, only because I had a my, my problem with him isn't 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 even a problem with him. It's the movie. And I don't mm-hmm. love the movie. Yeah, and I think it's okay. It's it's, it's, it's an a, o, it's an okay movie with an incredible it, performance and such a great character movie villain. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like it, you. I think like if if that film was like if the entire movie was incredible, mm-hmm. he could have been even greater. Yeah, I mean it. It's my favorite movie in the trilogy just because of him. Yeah, exactly. Like that, and that's that's like. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you know one of the reasons why he's in your top five, but it's also like kind of handicapped him. I think a little bit, you a know? little bit. Um, but by far, hands down, mm-hmm. one of the greatest performances e- ever. Yep, as a villain. Yeah, I mean it's so good. The interrogation scene is oh. one of my favorite scenes in a film. Period. Like, oh god, <laughs> like there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really really great. Um, okay. Number two. My number two might be your number one. I don't know. Okay. My number two is Jack Torrance from The Shining. Nope. He didn't make your list? No, honestly. That's, um, uh, that's, that's surprising. Yeah, right? <laughs> did you even think about him? I did. I did. I, like, I, I spent like a good like three days trying to figure out this list. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jack made my list because, of course, wow, that's too, I didn't even realize it's two Kubrick characters. Um, yeah. But that stands for Kubrick. Though. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole concept of watching a man who is just angry mm-hmm. and not a good guy and kind of like sort of a recovering alcoholic and doesn't really like his family and to watch him just descend from a person who's not who's not a great person mm-hmm. to then going to a full-blown murderer is one of the best it's one of the best character developments ever i I, think i do think that like he is such a fantastic villain where for the first time like with a villain that i enjoy um that doesn't have an actual purpose or something to say like because again like most villains like you know you get behind the message that they're going for Mm -hmm. and jack torrance was just this man going insane from this hotel and it was just like that little nudge to go over the edge that he would have gone 
in like six years probably. <laughs> but yeah. you have a character that you you just are infatuated to see like what happens next. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow the house down mm-hmm. scenes and and him in the in the maze chasing his son. That first inclination of it where it's like he's just watching uh, Shelley Duvall and Danny like playing with snowballs outside and he's just staring yeah, at them. Yeah, the fucking facial expressions mm-hmm. that he does and the whole idea of him going absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. I'll work and no play makes it, Jack a dull boy. Yeah, and like, you know, the bar scene where he's sitting uh. talking to Lloyd. I mean, there's just, in my opinion, he's he's one of the greatest villains but also like this is what i was saying like a protagonist like he's your main character but also your your uh your antagonist at the same time and uh and there's nobody like him Mm -hmm. it's very hard to do it and it's it's a testament to stanley kubrick because it's very hard to make a villain your main character and still have him somewhat redeemable in some sense yeah um so yeah number two nice jack torrance uh, so my number two was Calvin Candy. So I'm just going to go into my honorable mentions then. Okay. Uh, so you were right. Like um, Darth Vader was one of them uh, just because there's no other villain that is so mad that he blows up a planet that his daughter was living on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little over the top of being a bad guy, but like whatever. Yeah. Um, Hal was definitely on the list. Um, Scar from The Lion King. I know you've never really never seen. Saw it. Yeah. He... For a Disney film, an absolute monster. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Very much so. But, like, again, like, you can kind of see, like, where his point is coming across. Yeah. Um, so, those are my, my honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. Oh, sorry. One more. Uh, Killmonger from Black Panther. Wow. I didn't like him that much. I did. <laughs> I, I really liked his message. I didn't. Um, my honorable mentions are, obviously, Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. Had to be. Um, Amy Dune from Gone Girl. I don't know if you've seen Gone Girl, Mm-mm. but she's the the wife of Ben Affleck's character. Okay. And do you even know what like, Gone Girl's about? You have like, any idea? No? I okay. know New Girl. So, well, that's very different. <laughs> um, so we did you know in that too? <laughs> no. Um, Gone Girl is a really great movie. Um, mm. I, I want to do that. That's going to be like one of my next picks. Um, and she is a fucking savage. Uh, she's incredible. She really, really is. Uh, Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Was I don't know why that escaped my mind, but yeah. Hannibal Lecter for me. Um, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I tried not to go more of like the slashers, but like he is the only one where like he actually has personality. Yeah, like I, I, I mean, I, I love Michael Myers and Jason's whatever to me, but like. And, like, Leatherface is cool, but, like, the actual, like, character of Freddy Krueger and just, like, he, like you said, like, he's got personality and he's, like, funny, but he's, like, really dark and whatever. Mm-hmm. I had to put him in there as an honorable mention. He, he wasn't going to make my top five, of course, but, I mean, he's so fun. Yeah. If we were doing, like, a top 15, he would definitely be in there. Yeah. Uh, Norman Stansfield from Leon the Professional. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that, mm-hmm. but that's Gary Oldman's character. Yep fucking crazy guy uh love love him like love gary oldman yeah love gary oldman and the scenes where he like cracks those pills in his mouth and Mm -hmm. he starts like he just like you can see that he just gets like that high off of it and he's like starts fucking shaking like winona ryder's in that too isn't she uh winona i don't think so i think natalie portman Mm. it's a it's a very young natalie portman 
Um, they have the bangs. That's why <laughs> yeah. it all looks the same. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, – I think that's everybody in my honorable mentions. What's your number two then? Or did – I already did my number two. It's Jack Torrance. You're a Jack Torrance. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But my number one. Mm-hmm. Now, Zach. Mm-hmm. I think you probably know. Who. I know who it is. Do you, do you? Yeah. Who? Daniel Plainview. No. Really? No. Not even an honorable mention? I don't consider him a villain. I consider him a villain. I know. <laughs> I, I just consider him a, a... An antagonist? No, he's not. I, he's just a He's just a guy. Who, I mean, in what way do you, do you think that he's villainous? Uh, he puts his son on a train and never sees him again. He. Well, that's not true. He kills a guy at the end. He kills a couple people. Yeah. Um, he... Destroys a town for money. Does he destroy a town? Economically. He actually makes them prosper. Where <laughs> <laughs> are they happy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't consider Daniel, uh, Daniel Plainview a villain. I consider okay. him just a character, a really shitty uh, person, mm-hmm. who, but, but an excellent businessman. Sometimes that's all you need as a villain. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my number one mm-hmm. is... Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, that makes sense. Incredible. He was also like somebody I was going back and forth with to actually like toy in the top five. Yeah. But yeah, he is absolutely incredible. We've talked before about like that opening scene of the like, opening the shot of Inglorious Bastards with him. Yeah, I mean, it, it just oh. as as in like an opposite to what we did last episode of Jojo Rabbit, where you have like Germans being funny. Hans really puts that fear in you of like this is how terrible it was during that time, but also likable. Yeah, and it's it's incredible to say because he is so charismatic. Yeah, and when you have a villain that's charismatic, you forget about like all the horrible things that they're doing because you're just infatuated like with what they're gonna say next. Yeah, and that is he Hans. steals the show, man. Mm-hmm. He really does, and he. Like, the way that he bounces back between all the dialects that he knows, yep. and, and he's just, like, look, he is not a big man. No. Like, he's not a tall guy, but he puts the fear of God in you mm-hmm. at the same time. It's kind of like a Charles Manson type. Like, Charles Manson is, like, a short little guy, but, like, very terrifying. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, had to put him, I had to put him in as my number one because, A, based in reality. Mm-hmm probably a real person mm-hmm. again like probably not based off of a real person in specific but obviously those type of people existed so that type of man uh was probably around during the world during world war ii absolutely and and uh that's the a gestapo <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again like he's so likable somehow yet yet terrifying um he had to be but he had to be my number one yeah that makes sense Yep. He just, he worked so well for that movie. And I know there was the whole thing where it's like Tarantino was going to like drop the whole, either what was it, the whole movie or the whole character. No, he, he was going to, he was going to, um, he, I think he was like three days from pulling the plug on, on the entire film mm-hmm. because he couldn't find anybody that could like do all the dialects in the, t- in the way that Tarantino likes his dialogue to be read. Yeah. And, uh, and then fucking Christoph Waltz shows in. Christoph Waltz waltzes on in and uh, and just, you know. The rest is history. Yeah, I mean, it, re- it really is. Um, so those are our top five. I got two Tarantino villains and two Kubrick villains. I didn't do my number one. You didn't? You said it was the Joker. No, that was number three. 
Oh, I'm sorry. You said <laughs> I thought you said your number one was. No, I did the the. Um, that was your number two. Man. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Who's your number um, one? So again, based in reality, uh, John Doe, Kevin Spacey, seven. Really? Yes. I didn't. I didn't include him only because I feel like he just didn't. He didn't have enough screen time. But that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Because you have a film that's like the entire thing is chasing him. And he waltzes right in and is like, you can arrest me. Detectives! (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. Literally, the reason why I put him as my number one was the speech in the cop car on the way to the desert. That was, and I've mentioned this before, that was the first inclination when I was watching films that I was like... I understand and I can get behind the reasonings of the villain. I don't feel the same way, but I understand <laughs> where he's coming from. I'm not from. trying to cut off Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow's head, but... Uh... I have a couple of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, it was the first inclination where I was like, I don't understand your message, but I get it. And if you get it, that makes the villain. Because you have to have, like, almost some sympathy to understand the villain and then also realize that they are what you're fighting against. Yeah. Because if you have a villain that, like, is just like, I'm going for money, who cares? Anybody can go for money. Yeah. But you have John Doe who is trying to rid the world of horrible people, superficial people, and people that just, like, are trying to be evil to one another. People who are committing the seven deadly sins. Exactly. And you have him where he just is trying to rid the world of this and make it a better place. Yeah. And in and of itself, his message is pure, but the way he's going about it is horrible. Right. And I owe that to, like, Kevin Spacey's acting as well for that. So good. So good. One of the greatest ever. Yeah. I miss miss Kevin Spacey. Yeah. (laughs) He's still here. He's just not doing it. I miss his acting. I miss old Kevin Spacey. I miss his acting. Mm -hmm. Um, I really do. He's got some of the best characters, like, ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very surprised that that Star Wars, like a Star Wars character, only made an honorable mention for you. I'm very surprised. I mean, again, like I was almost gonna put Darth Vader in there, but like at the end of the day, was he truly that evil? I mean, yeah, he was evil, but like, was he was he somebody that I understood the message behind? Yeah, I think like especially like when you get into like the prequels mm-hmm. and like you you watch Anakin grow up. Spoiler alert. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 10 years ago. Um, and you watch, you watch, you know, Anakin grow up and turn into Darth Vader. Like, and like those movies weren't that great. Mm. Like, it kind of spoils it a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I get it. Or like the Emperor. He's cool. He's cool. But he's just old and wrinkly. Yeah. I mean, again, you got to watch the prequels to understand, like, what his message is. Yeah. And, eh. I, I just can't do that, like... John Doe, huh? Yeah. Very surprising. Mm-hmm. I knew I'd get you with that one. Yeah, I wasn't... I, I, he was, like, in my, like... I, I was kind of, like, toying around. Like, he, he went into, like, my... Like, the, the list that I created for all the villains. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, John Doe's gonna be in there, but he didn't, he didn't even come close to, like, actually making it in the list. Yeah, it's literally that speech. That speech is what sold me on villains. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have a recommendation, Zach. What is I don't it? Know, I don't know if you care about it, but uh, uh eh, I mean, depending. <laughs> <laughs> so, recently, I've been doing a lot of research. Nope, don't care anymore. <laughs> on uh, like the stock market and mm-hmm. investing, and I've learned 
so much hmm. in about like the past week and realizing that so I've, I've learned a lot of things mm-hmm. a like how to invest your money and what to invest your money into i've learned a good amount about like the stock market and the type of things that you should invest in um and thirdly i learned mostly about your savings accounts right like mm-hmm. like people have like a savings account and i've learned that that's pretty much just useless seriously Mm-hmm. And it, I, I was completely shocked because what I learned is savings accounts um, usually grow at like their best. They grow about 1% mm-hmm. depending on the bank that you have and whatever and all that, like what, what they give you. Inflation every year grows 2 to 3%. Mm-hmm. So that means that all the, all the money that you're putting into your savings account is pretty much just in the red always. But I learned about these things called like mutual funds and mutual funds grow between seven to eight percent every year. So that's more than two to three percent. Right. And I've just learned a lot about like that. So I have a recommendation for people, people who are our age, like 25, 26, 27, about doing your research on like financials because it is so important. Mm -hmm. And. Nobody, they don't teach you this shit in, in school. No, I wish they did. They don't teach you any of this type of stuff in school. Like, and, and there's so much information out there that, that you could just find online for free via YouTube, via um, just whatever, like courses that you, that, that you can take. Uh, I know that there's like one of those big, uh, I don't remember, the, I can't think of the name of it at the moment, but it's like, they, there's like this online school thing that you can mm-hmm. pay like a monthly thing. It's only like 10 to 15 bucks, I think like a month and you can take like unlimited online courses. Yeah, there's also a couple of apps that like teach you like how to use the stock market and like invest yeah, wisely. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's very, very important. It's something that I've, that I've learned is like, in order to future-proof yourself mm-hmm. um, and to actually have your money make you money, mm-hmm. like opposed to just having your money sit in a bank and do nothing, um, it's it's going to be the detriment to a lot of like young people who like think like, oh, I'm going to work for fucking 45, 50 years and then retire and I'm just going to just keep putting money in my savings account. But it's like that's not going to like cut it. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Um, so... Uh, learning how to invest properly, I think, is so, so important. And it's something that obviously I'm not an expert on. I've been doing this research for about a week. But um, it's something that isn't, isn't to- like, terrible to learn. Like, it, it is, like, especially if you find, like, the right people who break it down for you. Like, you can understand it. Mm-hmm. And you can actually learn a lot. And you can actually, again, like, have your money make you money. Um, and I think that's very important. So financial independence, I think, is, like, obviously, like, kind of, like, the goal for everybody. Um So my recommendation is learn about investing because it is so important. Nice. Very, uh, very adult. Yeah. Very adult of (laughs) this, this kitty stuff that we do. (laughs) Um, so the next film that we're doing, Zach, Mm -hmm. I've seen the movie twice. Okay. First time hated it. Okay. Second time. Loved it. it. (laughs) No, I loved it the second time. Third time. Hated it. (laughs) (laughs) And, that is a film that I was looking forward to for over a year, and it got postponed, and finally it came out a few weeks ago. We are doing St. Mark. Yay! <laughs> so, A24 boys, back in town. Yay, it's been uh, a while. Yeah, it has. Um, so, look forward to our conversation on St. Maud. Zach, please take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits. <laughs>